you know, they would never look at a tree or a piece of fruit the same again. And I kind of hope that you won't either. See, they've been following Jesus around for a few years now, and they kind of began to pick up on this reoccurring metaphor. <laughs> at, kind, at times, it might have seemed like somewhat of an obsession. He would talk about trees and fruit quite a bit. There was that time in which he said that you will know a tree by its fruit, in which he then went on to curse a tree that wasn't producing fruit. Nobody really wanted to talk about that after that moment. Thing is, was this a coincidence that just happened to be there as Jesus was going through life? I don't think so, because Jesus rarely did things on accident. You see, at this point, he's completely changed the paradigm of their life, of their relationship with God and with others. Jesus began to lean into them and he began to say, by this, people will know that you're in my kingdom. By this, they will know that you play on my team. Now, it's not the color of your robe. Not, not a talisman that you wear around your neck, not where you go or what you watch on Sunday mornings, but by this, by your fruit, the fruit of my love. This is a little crazy because to us, sometimes that seems a little obvious, but to them, to them in their situation, to them in their circumstances, they thought that it might've been a little different. Maybe they'll know us by our power. Maybe they'll know us by our land, our buildings, our prestige. And Jesus officially says, nah, bro, it's none of that. They'll know you by this. They'll know you by your fruit. You will belong to my kingdom by my love. Equal parts encouraging, equal parts challenging. Because most of us can only dream about having a kingdom of our own. Yet we all know living a life void of the fruit of love is purely a nightmare. So why did Jesus choose to say, by this, they will know that you are my disciples. So what is this fruit? And perhaps, more importantly, how do we grow some ourselves? Let's find out. I want to welcome you to our service this morning. Thank you so much for joining us, however you may be joining us, whether that's on Facebook, YouTube, uh, Church Online, Fox. We would encourage you to head to our website right here, fcc-online.org forward slash Sunday. There you can fill out a connect card, a prayer request. You can download some sermon notes, follow along with us. Today, we're wrapping up a three-week series through the Holy Spirit. We started off week one talking about who is the Holy Spirit. Danny showed us last week why the Holy Spirit came to lead us, to help us, to guide us, but also to convict us. And today, we're wrapping up with the question, for what purpose do we have the Holy Spirit? In what way is he trying to move in our lives? I want to invite you back to join us next week as we will kick off a new series called Rhythm, talking about how to engage, to dance with the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. But today we're going to answer that question. For what purpose do we have the Holy Spirit? If you have your Bible, I invite you to turn with me to the book of John. Book of John chapter 13. We're going to be in John quite a bit this morning, but we need to kind of lay a couple of foundations as we begin to unpack and answer that question. Why do we really have the Holy Spirit? What's he trying to do through us in our walk with him? 
The book of John is the fourth book of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, we call these the gospels. They give us a biography of the life of Jesus, where he went, what he taught, the miracles that he did and his intent and purpose for life with him. In John chapter 13, where we start today, Jesus has just kind of flipped the tables upside down in kind of the world in which the master actually took the posture of a servant. He put a towel around his waist and began to wash his disciples' feet. He then predicts the betrayal of Judas and the denial of Peter. And then he goes into this final discourse talking about the purpose of his mission. And he gives us a foundation for the mission of God, the church and his kingdom. In John chapter 13, follow along with me here. He says this, Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, real quick, what Jesus is kind of saying, this is the foundation for if they know you belong to my kingdom, that you play on my team. This is the badge that we carry with us. This is the proof that you will have to the world knowing that they belong to Jesus that if you love God, you will be loving others. This isn't some type of romantic love. This isn't some type of emotional love. This is an agape love, an unconditional love, a sacrificial and serving love because God has first loved us in that way. So that's where it all starts. That's the first foundation, but the second building block comes a little bit later. It comes a little bit beyond. In chapter 14, a couple paragraphs later, this is what Jesus kind of says though, because you're gonna need a little help fulfilling that call. In John chapter 14, verses 15 and 16, he says this, he says, well, if you love me, if, if you've decided, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate. Your translation might say a helper. He's talking about the Holy Spirit, the parakletos here to give you and to be with you forever. Danny talked about this a little bit last week of how we have the spirit to be our aid, our advocate, the one who fights on our behalf to help us in our walk with Jesus. Now, if you're like me though, you're probably trying to ask, well, well, what do we need help for in the first place? Well, so we need help fulfilling that new commandment to love God, but more importantly, to love other people. Because what Jesus is doing, he's kind of making an apologetic at the statement at this point. He's saying that you need help doing this because you cannot do it on your own. Think of it this way. Think of it as if the, the price to, of admission to your favorite theme park was say $15 million. I know they don't cost them. Well, let's just pretend, you know, $15 million. And all you had was you, you came up to the table and, and you slapped $200 of Monopoly money and some Candy Crush jewels on the table. And you said, hey, does that cover it? Does that get me in? And, and it's kind of like, no, you're not even close. Because what Jesus is kind of saying, he said, this is my mission. This is my goal. This is my bar. It's up here. And you cannot in your own strength, in your own merit, in your own, you cannot get there on your own. There is a gap. And that's why I came. If we're going to love God and love people, you're going to need some help. And this is where we see the truth of the gospel get matched with the call of love by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, this past week, the Christian church lost one of its giants 
a man by the name of Ravi Zacharias, one of the greatest apologetics guys of all time. And he has this quote that really talks about how love is so vital to letting the truth be known. This is what he says. He says, if truth is not undergirded by love, it makes the possessor of that truth obnoxious and the truth repulsive. I think that's why the apostle Paul says something similar in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, truth without love is like a resounding gong. It's an obnoxious noise. No one wants to pay attention to it. And that's what Jesus is saying. The truth is here and my call to love is also here. But in order for those to match, in order for you to play your part in my kingdom, in order for you to bear this fruit, guess what? You're gonna need some help, but I've got you covered. I'm gonna send myself. I'm going to send my spirit to be with you so that anyone who believes in that truth, in that gospel, that we are sinners in need of a savior, that when we repent of our sins and we accept the work of Jesus through his life, his death, his resurrection, through that faith, through that belief alone, do we have new life? But that is a love that we don't just experience for ourselves. Jesus is making it crystal clear. This is a love that we are to express to everyone in our life. So don't miss this. Don't miss this. That if you claim that faith, if you call yourself a Christian, if you wear the mark of a disciple, you are called not just to experience God's love, but to express God's love through the power of the Holy Spirit in you. See, I think too often we kind of misconstrue our faith, don't we? We kind of get into this mode in which we, we kind of keep it to ourselves and we say, well, I don't know about you. I'm good over here, bro. Like I, I've got it. I've figured it out. I've got my faith. God and I, were tight. We, we cleared things up. You know, that whole, that Jesus guy. Yeah, yeah, I, I believe in that. We're good. You know, God and I, we're good. We're homies. We're, we're straight chilling from here on out. It's all good. And I don't know about you. I think you got some stuff you need to figure out. I, I, it sounds like maybe you have some decisions you need to kind of sift through. I don't know. Good luck with that over there. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 you've, you've missed the point. I have loved you. So now I need you. I want you to express that love to other people because they need to experience that love that you have a spot on my team, in my kingdom, through the power of my spirit to express that love, to bear that fruit. And that's when they know that you belong to me. This is the purpose that we have the Holy Spirit, to love God, to love others, and to see that fruit in abundance. See, from here, Jesus is going to kind of continue in this talk, kind of unpack this a little more. He'll use the words fruits, love, commandments, and his word, kind of interchangeably, they all kind of mesh together for a few chapters. And then he kind of gets to this point in John chapter 15. He, he kind of just says, let me, let me just break it down a different way for y'all. Let me give you a metaphor. Let me give you an illustration that you could probably resonate to help you understand this. And in John chapter 15, he starts to talk about a vine with branches and how there's this divine gardener talking about God, the father, who's taking care of these plants so that they can produce fruit. In John chapter five, follow along with me here on the screen. This is what Jesus kind of continues in this illustration. He says, I am the vine, Jesus talking about himself here, and you are the branches. 
If you remain or abide, stay, dwell in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my father's glory, not your glory, to his glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? And then he wraps it up this way. He says, so as the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. I hope you're trying to pick up on these connections that we see, a new commandment. By this, they will know that you are my disciples. Remain in my love. If you love me and then love others, they will know that you are my disciples. The connection here cannot be missed. And Jesus is kind of given a basic botany lesson, which everyone's just kind of like, well, 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 yeah, I get it. Sort of what's going on here. And Jesus is kind of saying, you, see, you know, you know, plants, you know, the plants that bear the most fruit, you know, the trees that have a lot of apples on them. Guess what? Those are the trees with the deep roots, with the strong roots. Those are the trees that have stayed in place. The ones in which gardeners have taken care of them. They've pruned them. They've gotten rid of the bad branches and kept the good branches. And everyone's all like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Keep going, keep going. And Jesus said, that's you. That's who you are in my family. He says, you are a branch. Notice, we're not the gardener, we're not the soil, we're not necessarily even the fruit. We are the branch. Now, when Jesus uses the word branch here, he's not talking about something that that fell off your tree, that you picked up off the ground, that you're going to snap in half and throw into your fire pit. No, no, no. He's talking about a branch that's intentionally cut off and then grafted back into another tree or into good, rich soil by the gardener on purpose so that that branch will grow, so that it will mature, so that it will have fruit of its own. And Jesus is saying, you are that branch that I have chosen you, I have picked you, and I have planted you in my soil so that you may bear much fruit. The point Jesus is making is he's saying, you're merely a branch. You don't get to pick where you're planted. You don't get to pick what fruit you produce. You're a branch but I've planted you in the soil of my spirit and my spirit will nourish you. It will take care of you. It will feed you. God, the father, he will, he will, he will till you up. He will prune you so that you bear more and more fruit because what's the one thing that branches can do. They just remain. They abide. And Jesus says this over a dozen times in this chapter. You're the branch. I'm the vine. My father's the gardener. You don't produce the fruit. It's a result of what? Abiding, remaining, staying, dwelling, being connected to me. Remain in me. Dwell in my words. Abide in my love. Find your root in my spirit. That's why we are rooted. That's the purpose that we have the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit keeps us rooted to bear spiritual fruit. So what is that fruit? What does that fruit 
look like? You see, if we're just branches, if we're just seeds that have been cultivated, it's whatever is in our DNA that comes out. And for those of us who have found new life in Jesus, we have a particular fruit that we're called to bear. Jesus talks about this over and over again. They will know you by my love. You will bear the fruit of my love. The apostle Paul gives us a little bit of extra on this. In Galatians chapter five, you may have heard of this before. It's called the fruit of the spirit. You may have seen it on a coffee mug or on a poster on the wall. The apostle Paul says this in Galatians chapter five, starting in verse 14. He says, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he continues, we get to the fruit of the spirit in verse 22, check it out. He says, but the fruit of the spirit is love. Now, a lot of commentators, scholars think there should be maybe a period or a semicolon there because notice that the word fruit, it's singular. The fruit of the spirit is love, but he continues, joy, peace, forbearance. Sometimes we call that patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. He continues in verse 24. He said, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desire. And this is the great part. I love this part here. He says, since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step, let us abide, let us remain with the spirit. Why? And let us not be conceited, provoking and envying each other. I feel like that last verse is Paul's way of saying, don't do unloving things to one another. But I want you to remember that Paul says the fruit of the spirit is singular. There's one fruit, not multiple fruits, but one fruit expressed in many different ways. That the fruit of love can be expressed as joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, goodness, and all of the rest. But notice when Jesus says, and Paul kind of mimics it, and he says that it's only when we remain, only when we keep in step, only when we stay rooted, do we bear spiritual fruit. All of us, all of us as branches in the garden of God, bear the same fruit. That we are called to the same fruit but not the same gifts. See, there's a difference between the fruit of the spirit and the gifts of the spirit. The apostle Paul talks to us about the gifts of the spirit. A gift of the Holy Spirit is is a specific ability that empowers someone to further the ministry of the kingdom of God, whether that's teaching or apostleship, hospitality, mercy, gentleness, and many other things. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul talks about some of the gifts. And then we get to chapter 13, where it's pointing towards love. And then chapter 14, we see some of the, the, the guidelines and the precursors for those gifts. Now, some of you, some of you might be kind of raising your hand right now saying, yeah, 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 I've heard of this before. I've been to a church or I grew up in a church that, that we talked about gifts a little differently. You know, to be honest, this is where there's some, maybe some confusion at times. Perhaps at times there is some different perspective on some of the gifts. Particularly, it's around what we call the miraculous gifts, the gifts of speaking in tongues, the gifts of healing, the gifts of prophecy. And so we just want to spend a quick moment in talking about where do we, what is our perspective here at church at first come 
to those gifts. And it's this, it's that we do not believe that the miraculous gifts are somehow a sign of someone's genuine faith or that, that you have to express one of these gifts or to have experienced one of these gifts to be a sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Why? Well, that's because God's gifts are God's gifts. It's his choice to choose who gets those gifts, when they get those gifts and how they use those gifts. You see, in no way do we want to to distort the gospel by saying, well, you can belong to the family of God, but unless you have this attached to it, then your salvation is, is maybe not quite as genuine. In the same way, we never want to say or do anything that minimizes the importance of not only just these gifts, but of any gift. At the same time too, we don't want people to feel like there's like this tiered approach in the family of God. That, well, unless you have these gifts, you kind of only have to stay at the JV level. But if you get some of these miraculous gifts, you get to graduate up to varsity. Now, let me be clear. We don't in any way believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit have ceased. But those gifts, any gift, must constantly be expressed within the bounds of Scripture. When we open up scripture, we see the descriptive passages and the prescriptive passages. And those prescriptive passages around the spiritual gifts teach us and show us that there is an order, a design, an intention, a a, a glory, all for the edification, the love, the unity of the body, and oftentimes for pushing the mission of God further. We understand how others have their different perspectives and how they apply the gifts. But this is how we approach these scriptures here at first. We love our brothers and sisters in Christ. We love the other denominations. We do ministry with those who have differing opinions and we would look forward to more ministry with them. But for us, this is how we choose to perceive the gifts of the spirit. Let me break it down this way really quickly. That we know that the Christian life is impossible apart from the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus said, you're going to need some help, someone to come along with you. So we are committed to live and walk by the Spirit. If the Spirit wants to empower us, we better obey, we better listen, we better keep in step, we better remain. But we will always be committed within the prescriptive bounds of Scripture to pursue order and unity with one another. That's why we say we're all called to the same fruit, but not the same gift. Remember, you're a branch. And as a branch, your goal is to remain, to stay in the spirit, to take those roots and to see the fruit that you can put on display. Why? Because fruit glorifies the gardener, never the branch. Just, just imagine with me, you had some people over to your house and you, you made some awesome fish tacos. I love fish tacos. So if you make great fish tacos, I would love an invite over to your house, okay? And we'll, we'll wait till the, the, the shelter in place is over, but you get what I'm saying. And say you had a lime tree in your backyard and you said, if you want to make these fish tacos awesome, go out, grab a lime, slice it, zest it over those tacos. And I shoved one in my mouth and I started, you know, taking a bite. These are the greatest fish tacos ever because of this lime. It just wraps the whole thing. And I pushed myself up from the table and I ran out to the 
backyard and I started hugging this lime tree and patting it on the bark saying, oh, you're just such a good tree. Good job, lime tree. I'm so proud of you for how you grew these limes. And you're just so amazing at growing these limes. Two things will cross your mind. Probably number one, Eric needs to go get his brain checked out. But secondly, you'd probably be like, hey man, yo, I'm the one who did this. I'm the one who, who planted that tree, watered that tree, protected that tree, nourished that tree. Why? Because fruit always glorifies the gardener, never the branch. And we see that God's heart is clear throughout all of this, is that fruit, it's always for others. Plain and simple, a tree bears fruit for others to enjoy. We're not called to be these golem, smeagol-like trees and say, this is my fruit. Get your own fruit. These are my fruits. You find your own fruits. No, no, no. We grow this fruit for others to enjoy. So let me end with a question and a quick illustration for you this morning. Do you enjoy growing the fruits of the Spirit? Do you enjoy loving God? Do you enjoy abiding in his word, keeping his commands, expressing and experiencing his love for the world to see? So, so I think this is kind of a little bit here of how we need to think about it this morning. As you're wrestling with what is the fruit that I am growing? What is the fruit that I'm growing? Remember that our fruit that we carry around with us is for others to enjoy. That the fruit that we get from abiding with the spirit is the fruit of love expressed. Maybe it's a little, a little patience because, you know, when I'm patient with people that I don't want to be, it's not because my flesh has won, but it's because the spirit of God has won over. Perhaps there's a joy about you in life and people want to find out more. What's different about you? What's different about this joy? You used to kind of be a curmudgeon. You used to kind of be so woeful, but now there's something different about you. And your only thing is I've experienced the love of God and I want you to experience this same joy. It's contagious. People can't get enough of it. Perhaps there's a peace that you live with. Perhaps there's, there's something that, 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 doesn't bother you as much, or there's a, there's a confidence in knowing that your God is with you, that your God will fight for you in every situation. So whether it's those, maybe it's some, some self-control that you've never had before, and it's a testament to how God has moved in your life, some gentleness that you need with your spouse, with your kids. I know I need a lot of that right now. Some faithfulness to other people some kindness of just expressing tangibly that good work. So God has first been good to you, the goodness that God has shown to you. Whatever it is, remember that as branches, we bear fruit, one fruit, the fruit of God's love, but it's expressed in many ways so that others can enjoy. What is the fruit that God is challenging you through the power of his spirit to grow in this season of your life. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its challenge. May your spirit dwell in us. May we abide in you so that they will know we belong to you because of our fruit. It's your name that we pray, amen. Hello, my name is Kevin Teal. Uh, we thank you for joining us for worship today. And we pray that this series on the Spirit is just opening up a new understanding for you of what God wants from us. 
as Eric was sharing with us, we've got a part to play in this life in the spirit. And Paul in Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 9, started with those who are dominated by the sinful nature, think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about things that please the spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the spirit if you have the spirit of God living in you. So we just thank you again for worshiping with us today. At this time in our service, we continue our worship uh, in different ways. Uh, The first way we continue our worship is with generosity. So we invite you at this time, if you came prepared to give gifts and offerings, you can do that at our website. You can also download the Give app, which is G-Y-V-E, and through that app, you can give your gifts and offerings. At this time, we also pause to commemorate what Jesus did for us. The power to live in the Spirit comes from the sacrifice that Jesus did for us on the cross. So at this time, we participate in something called communion. So we asked you earlier to gather the elements, the, blood, uh, the bread, the crackers, the juice, the water. And so at this time, we take that bread and we realize that commemorates the broken body of Jesus, which was broken for our sins. Take and eat of that. The other element that we participate with at this time is the juice, which represents the blood of Jesus, which was shared for our sins, which redeemed us back to God and allows us to become the children of God, now filled with his spirit. Drink of that. As we continue in our worship service, uh, Aaron mentioned earlier that you can go to our website and let us know about your prayer request. We would love to come alongside you and encourage you at this time if you're struggling in some area. You can also fill out a praise report there and let us know what God has done for you during this season. And so as we just return and continue in our worship, our worship team is going to lead us in more songs. And we pray that you would be blessed and continue to live this life in the spirit. (laughs) 